life in three dimensions got me bent and got me twisting. I know I'd upset a lot, but I should probably stop pretending. I don't really hold the key and I can't really push a button. I just step up to the mic and try my very best to bust it, but I ran out of breath. It's tight in my chest. My feet just might fail. I can't stand up. What's going on, everyone? You're listening to Racially Speaking. I'm your host, David Phipps. And look, I'm sitting here just kicking it with... I'm, I'm just going to continue to say the all-time, our all-time favorite guest. I feel like you're kind of a co-host when you come on. I'm, uh, I'm sitting here with the Leith, Alethea Lamberson, all the way from the West Coast at the wee hours in the morning. Yo, what's going on? Thank you so much for coming on here at the Crack of Dawn. <laughs> what's up, y'all? Yes, it is 7.45 in the morning, um, and anyone who knows me well knows me. I'm not, knows I'm not a morning person, like not even relatively close, unless I absolutely have to be up for work or travel. Um, but when David uh, Phipps sends you a text and says, hey, I got a crazy idea, um, you want to be on the pod? And it said <laughs> 7.30, but it didn't say... <laughs> AM or PM, and I was like, he's going to say AM. He said AM. <laughs> I said, well, first, what are we talking about? Then he told me. And then I was like, okay, David, mm-hmm. for you, I, yeah. will, I will get up this early. But I got my coffee, so I'm good to go. Got my coffee. I made extra this morning because yes, I will ma'am. need it. Um, but it is good. It's good to be here. And um, so we were in this atmospheric river, if you heard about the storms mm-hmm. hitting, hitting California. In SoCal, and we have partly cloudy. The sun came out, so this is the first time in three days uh, that it is presently not raining. So I am grateful to wake up. I was going to say, not to make it about me, but you said the sun's out, so you're not going to lose power while we're doing this. (laughs) Thankfully, we have not, where I'm at, we have not lost power at all. So we've been good to go. Wi Fi was a little funky, but um, no, we should be good to go. But it's nice to have some sunshine out, and so I, I can wake up to that after the how the last. Gotcha, few days gotcha. Been, so, um, okay, so people are doing the math. You're up at seven, seven thirty. Full disclosure, like I'm, I, I'm doing this ten thirty. Now it's you know it's about ten forty five. Now, just to be clear, this is the earliest I could do it, so I'm not just like getting you up, Leith, and being like I'm gonna have a a chill morning, yeah. you know, uh, get some stuff done, and then clock in and start recording at 10 30 so i, I would have done it i would have and also i didn't want to make you get up even earlier so hopefully that was fairly obvious um i get that i'm i mean a little earlier wake up call might right have been, i get that i'm privileged rough, so. with the 10 30 10 30 recording recording time it's all good these are choices i've made you know moving to the west coast this is a this is what you know will be your reality i was gonna so, say more importantly okay. how many lakers okay. games have you made it to Zero. Um, That's zero, okay. Um, so far, because you know these mm-hmm. ticket prices, and you know it's it's tough out here. So uh, it's on my list for 2024. So yeah. my hope is, um, yeah, I need to catch a game. So we'll see what the the spring holds, and if I can find a cheap ticket for maybe yeah. some nosebleeds, or you know, someone want to bless me right, with a right. ticket. So um, I. Yeah. Uh, they were just over yet, here on so. the West Coast. They were just in Charlotte. I was so close to biting the bullet and making a trip down. But, they you know, were. I haven't loved what I've been seeing. We'll beat, we'll beat the good teams, and then we'll go and yeah. lay an egg down in, 
down your way in Atlanta, your mm-hmm. former way, and who else do we lose to? Houston. Yep. I'm just yep. uh, I can't I can't risk paying that money yeah. for that kind of uh, bitterness that would inevitably well up inside of me if I watched them. Uh, yeah, I mean, you just never know. I know that if I went, they would have lost yep. to Charlotte. I mean, how you, you lose those games, uh-huh. but then you beat the Knicks. Oh, I mean, it was close. Yeah, anyways. well, I was Only checking the six, score. They were up by like 20, and I checked the final score just to see. I was like, how, do we, how yep. did we almost lose? Yep. How? Oh, yeah, that's right, because that's what we do. Yep. All right. How's uh, life? Look, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good segue here. Um, okay, we talked about NBA. It's no it secret if you listen to the podcast, Leith, we are basketball junkies. Um, how much do you follow the NFL? Do you rock with the NFL? Do I rock with the NFL? That I would okay. say no. Um, let's see. I, I know enough. I mean, just kind of generally with sports, I look at ESPN, like my app every day. So I, you know, I follow stuff on social media. So I, every year I generally have an idea of like what's going on, who's doing mm-hmm. well. But as to watching, uh, if I'm home with my family in Ohio, they are Bengals fans. And so um, might catch a Bengals okay. game every now and then. And then depending on who's playing, I might watch a playoff game and then I do watch the Super Bowl, but I watch for the commercials and the mm-hmm. halftime show usually. So it's like, and then there's a game. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just never been a, a big NFL fan. I did not grow up, you know, where I grew up and the time I grew up, the Bengals and Browns were not good. And so that like wasn't passed down to me in my, in my family. Um, like my brother, one of my brothers is a Bengals fan because uh, his dad was a mm-hmm. diehard Bengals fan. But for me, it was like Ohio State. Like that's what, what I grew up with. And so, you know, as I grew up and went, and yeah, exactly. You know, they ran the yeah. state of Ohio when I was growing up. And so for me, there was never a I'm this fan or I'm this fan. or And then when I would watch it, it just wasn't as enjoyable for me as watching college. And so, um, so yeah, I'll dabble every now and then, but I, I'm, not, I'm not much of an NFL gotcha. fan. Um, yes, uh, you know, I've talked about this a few times on the podcast, but I'm not a huge NFL fan. We'll get to the big reasons why, especially pertaining to this podcast, but I, th- I think just football, I don't love, I don't know if I'm biased cause I, I played for a couple of years in high school. Well, kind of one had a traumatic leg injury and altered a bunch of stuff. You know, it was life altering actually. Um, that's another story for another time, but I just, there's something strange competitively and and even just as a viewer i don't like the nature of the game i don't mean like i can't handle the hitting and stuff like that but like i mm-hmm. don't there's something strange that unlike basketball um unlike the sport i actually played ice hockey growing up which i know you got some uh tradition ice hockey adjacent um <laughs> leith um check out mm-hmm. Leith's social media to yep. see what i'm saying but um anyway <laughs> maybe around yeah yeah december 31st um <laughs> I think it's weird. There's something strange I don't like when the best players aren't on the field or cannot be on the field when the game matters at the end. Like, it's just strange to me. Like, they don't play both ways. I I understand the pushback is, well, it's the ultimate team sport, blah, blah, blah. It's weird to me that 95% of the game is played one way with guys that are, like, three, four times my size, hitting, running, throwing the ball, catching the ball and stuff. And then the other 5% of the game, which often happens, comes down to, this guy that is more my stature actually. And it's like, can he kick this ball through this goalpost and win the win or lose the game? It's just, 
I don't like it. I like I like basketball. I like the yeah. end of games. You got to show up on the defensive and offensive side. Just something different about it. Um, so that's like the mm-hmm. sports view of why I don't love football overall. So I'm I'm getting all my biases out out there. But yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's so good. Hey, so I appreciate before I first you. Get those out. So here's here's um, where I'm going with the more serious note of why we're talking about this, though. That's my sports bias. Um, I think the NFL, some of you guys might know this, if, compared to its uh, peers, the other major sports, NHL, MLB, NBA, some would say MLS, whatever, um, I think the NFL is an outlier when it comes to its ties historically and recently to racism you know also i'm not gonna say the nba or those other leagues don't have ties absolutely they all do obviously um leith are you familiar with the term race norming i am okay yes yes i had to refresh myself but yes i'm i am familiar with it um all right listeners if you guys aren't familiar with this race norming which has mostly come up um within the nfl Re, uh, recently has been around more than recently, but um, has been in the news over the last couple years. Uh, race norming is an, a uh, term that uh, can be defined, I guess, artificially adjusting. We'll, we'll give some context. Artificially adjusting black retirees, so black players, cognitive scores to assume they start with a lower cognitive baseline than white retirees. So this, of course, it's called race norming. It was approved by federal court. Uh, sorry. That was about it being overturned. Anyway, so this is a term, and I said retirees, but um, that was written into the bylaws or literature of the NFL. From what I read, tell me if you think, if you know differently, Leith, but in the 90s, around when former players, retirees, started suing the league for um post career uh health issues cte related to concussions and um lack of concussion protocol so a lot of us know that broad narrative at this point you know the um concussion the movie will smith all that stuff it was much more than that but that's an entry point for people that maybe aren't following right off the bat so Race norming, artificially adjusting black retirees' cognitive scores to assume they start with a lower cognitive baseline than white retirees. And specifically, this was implemented when players started suing the NFL to get money compensation for concussion syndromes in their health care. And then this was put into practice to deprive and withhold the same amount of money that was being allotted to white players um, from the black players. Okay. Thoughts on thoughts on that first, and then we're going to unpack it a little bit, Leith. Like, is this, like, just give, it, give, any, give any thoughts on this? There's some obvious ones I think you'll have, but... <laughs> I mean... While it, people, I think, were made aware um, and it felt maybe new when it came to light um, with the NFL, it's something, if you read more about it, it's something race norming has been around for mm-hmm. centuries. You know, like it's not it's not a new thing. Um, 
I find it as I was refreshing myself when you were we were texting yesterday because um, this race norming is not something that you hear like that terminology used often in a lot of conversations. It's a very specific um, context or thing that you're referring to, and it depends on how you're referring to it. And so, just reading about it, it's it was it's just wild to me that it's a practice that the NFL mm-hmm. has implemented and has used, and it the fact that it had to go to court to be overturned and um and still there's some remnants of it that they're still using and I think for me like kind of you know my initial thoughts are um it's just wild that you know you have these these men putting their lives on the line like we saw yeah. with Namar Hamlin right like the man died on the field and you know um shout out to the Bills medical staff you know um and their quick response but they're literally putting their lives on the line um and for what they experience after when they finish playing. Right. And so all this stuff that's come out, but in a league that's 70% black and then you turn around and see the compensation is like, they're literally fighting to say, Hey, like we put our lives on the line. We brought in all this revenue. And then you're going to tell us because there's no scientific evidence to back this up. You're going to tell us like our cognitive levels are lower. So you're not going to give us the compensation we need to care for ourselves. And to me that in a league that generates so much money, that is so outward facing, that is so global. The fact that that's a policy that they had used is, and that many people didn't know about until they started getting mm-hmm. sued by players. It's just insane to me and not surprising. Yeah. If you, if you pay attention or know any of the histories, things like that, you put two and two together pretty quickly. And so it's not surprising to me, um, but it is, it's wild. It's, it's pretty yeah. insane that they're using that that they've been using it and they've been been mm-hmm. fighting it. Um, yeah, I mean, some context <clears throat> that I found is, is I think it's helpful to acknowledge biases and then also to um, get get some context and to ask questions may, that may be fairly obvious to paint with broad strokes um, to get to the bottom of things. So I, I think maybe a pushback could be, okay, well, is this is this legal or was this actually, you know, actually wrong? I know people like us are going to be like, absolutely, you know, no questions asked. Um, but I looked some of it up and one of the articles you and I read, it's, it brought up the, uh, with the passage of the civil rights act of 1991. It's not uh, super long ago by any means, but race norming and any other means of changing or modifying employment related tests on the basis of race or ethnicity became illegal. So literally, illegal like that's like spot on to me no like leaves no room for imagination it's Mm -hmm. like okay that's so the nfl did this black and white no pun intended illegal thing um sets out there and so i want to talk a little bit about what you said that it's been around for a long time and i think the fact that this thing has been around for a long time is both related and also needs to be separated of how recent this has been going on in the NFL. So 2013 is when the settlement with the NFL came out um, with um, settling with the players that were suing them for the concussion, concussion-related issues post-career, all the retirees. However, it looks like on June 2nd, 2021, is when they decided to discontinue the race norming stuff. So 2021, it's, we're barely in 2024, two-ish, three years ago, 
um, not, you know, not even fully three years ago, is when they, is when they decided, okay, we, we're not going to do this anymore. And again, it was brought up when they were sued again. So it wasn't enough to just get sued the first time. It's being mm-hmm. sued again. Mm-hmm. So this wasn't brought to the forefront. So I, I want to bring this stuff up because I, we started this episode with talking about our, maybe mainly my disdain for the NFL. And it's because of stuff like this that I just think it ma- makes them be an outlier and unique compared to these other these other leagues. And I'm not trying to pat the other leagues on the back, but just to show how egregious some of this stuff runs. And Leith, you and I know that there's been consistent mm-hmm. pushback to, which we'll get to in a minute, of people like Colin Kaepernick, um, Ed Reed, and people that bring up this stuff and and are kind of allergic to the notion that anything, any of this could be related to something like slavery, right? Mm-hmm. Like which Colin Kaepernick brought a lot of awareness to in comparison to, and even that, that Netflix series he put out. And I know a lot of people's reaction is like, Oh, well that's, that's mm-hmm. a little too far. We're way past that. And that's, you know, too much, but it, it's stuff like this because I'd say what you're talking about is this race norming thing. That's literally not to the same extent, but it's remnants of what was happening um, when slavery was was legal. Yes. And again, I'll say again this this thing in 2021 right now illegal, like by the constitution, like illegal. So we've we've covered covered all that. So I wanted to like shed some light on maybe even some potential pushback because I think it's just it's it's egregious, and it there's a lot mm-hmm. of different direction I want to go with this because I think it touches on a lot of issues and of course we're doing this before we hit record Leith I said thanks for coming on I wanted to you know ruin everybody's Super Bowl plans which I'm kind of joking but you know (laughs) anyway um okay one more thing because I know I can just kind of talk and say stuff flippantly but let's compare let's compare my favorite league the NBA I'll say this. If this was the NBA or something like this comes out about the NBA, maybe it is. If, if there's something out there, please tell me and I'll read into it. But I'll be the first one to peace out from the NBA. I'm, like, I'm, I'm serious. Like, I, this stuff is extremely real to me and I think it, it matters. Um, but some things, I don't know, Leith, if you have any other examples, some comparable things that I've been aware of that I think the posture of the commissioners and... Uh, league officials or whatever execs I think react differently as well as the players is um remember the Los Angeles Clippers Donald Sterling was caught on a hot mic using mm-hmm. um saying some really racist language racial slurs and then um last name Sarver the Suns owner recently um had some really problematic things he was he yep. was caught saying and then the uh what was it um Atlanta Dream, the w, uh, WNBA senator. Oh, yeah. Loeffler? Um, yeah, she was a senator and part owner yeah. of the Dream. Kelly Loeffler, senator yep. part owner of the Dream. Oh, I had suppressed that. Yeah. Gosh. Um, was, uh, I don't necessarily think she said anything as egregious as Donald Sterling or Sarver, but was um, advocating against the women's um, support for BLM. Or, or whatever. In all three cases, mm-hmm. led by largely by the players through protest and through awareness, and then I think working with the owners and commissioner, mm-hmm. 
those three people were essentially ousted and their teams are owned by different people now. Um, and then the women, shout out to, you know, the Atlanta dream, you know, took it into politics and elections and made sure she didn't win the next election. Mm-hmm. So I, like, I just think that there's... It was great. I'll yeah, I just think that, that there's great. a different um, action, a- activism, activistic, whatever, is that word? Reaction from the leagues in a very disproportionate way. Um, so it might sound like I'm patting the NBA in the back, but really what I'm shedding light on is, like, the NFL is the most powerful league in the country. Most wealthy league, like, mm-hmm. people turn up for football games. It's, like, it's in our culture, and that's fine we got to talk about this stuff. And I think it can be a distracting time, especially now with it being Super Bowl week, to kind of move on from these extremely real things. Like these players already put their lives on the line, are suffering mm-hmm. immensely, some dying because of that. And then are being deprived of compensation that they are owed behind the scenes. And we're supposed mm-hmm. to, I feel like, expect it to go on and love that the NFL um, has, quote unquote, moved on from these issues. From Colin Kaepernick kneeling. We have a, you know, we have rappers and R&B artists doing the halftime show now. We're good. Um, Mm-hmm. I think it's important to bring these up because these issues aren't gone. I, I remember um, you brought up, I think last time we were on here, Leith, but Brian Flores, former coach of the uh, Miami Dolphins, mm-hmm. suing the league for racial discrimination. Um, there's other things we can talk about, but I've been talking too much. What? Any Anything you want to add to this, to, to, to the outrage here, Leith? You know, excuse me. It's interesting. I think when people like you're talking about like pushback or like Mm -hmm. comparison, right? And people are so quick to do that. And granted, it's it's worth conversation. Like, okay, well, let's look at the NBA or let's look at the NHL. Let's look at all. Let's look at these other major, you know, entities. That's fine. Like, that's worth a conversation. But what it does is it pulls away from what needs to be discussed in the mm. moment, right? Like the NFL, you don't need to always compare. Like, let's just yeah. talk about the NFL. Like, let's talk about the history, the realities, right? The very the, the things that are still prominent, the things that the NFL hasn't dealt with. And so when I think about, like, potential pushback, one, like the, the history research is there. Like, you can easily find the articles, right, about the NFL being sued. You can see their policies, like you can see the things that they're doing now. Right. And so like, let's just have that conversation and let's, we can compare and go back and forth about that afterwards. Um, you know, I think the NFL and, and, and again, like any major corporation, any organization, um, especially when it comes to race and it's, and it's, it's bad past regarding that it's, excuse me, really easy to just want to cover up. Like you said, like, Oh, we we signed with Jay Z, mm-hmm. which I think we're gonna get to, but and we have these performers, and um, we started this coalition with the players. Like, look look at what we're doing, and that's a that's a a trend yeah. everywhere, right? Like, yeah, we had this bad past and we did these bad things, but like, look what we're doing now. You know, oh, we settled with them. We didn't, from what I've read. Now I could be wrong. The NFL hasn't acknowledged and said, you know what? 
race norming was a horrific um, policy that we had. It was a horrific thing that we had that was tied to compensation for our players. We acknowledge that it did, you know, when we went through our, our settlements, like it did benefit the former white players and <clears throat> minimize the payout for the black players. Like there, I hasn't, I haven't heard an admission yeah. to that. Right. It's just like, Oh, we've settled. You know, you get to call in Kaepernick. It's like, oh, behind the scenes, like him and Eric Reed, they got their little settlement. Like yeah. we settled with him. Yeah. Let's move on. You know, and we're not blackballing him. He just isn't Which to be, good enough. Yeah. You know, like they can say that. Right. Um, and so I, I think. <clears throat> excuse me. You're good. <clears throat> so I think for me, it's if. It's one thing like, yeah, activate and work towards something, right? Like, okay, you have your players involved and you're, you're saying that you're working to, quote, inspire change. That's great. But you need to acknowledge what mm. has been present, right? Like, you, you need to own up to that. You need to admit that. You need to say, here, yeah, this actually was racist. We're going to acknowledge that. And here's the things that we're doing to, to try to rectify that. We are going to pay what you are owed. And you should pay. And then some for the fact that you had a... a a policy in place that was, they said legally was, it was illegal in 1991. So why in Mm -hmm. 2021 is it just now being, you know, done away with? Why is it that players sued in 2013? And then it wasn't until years later where the former black players finally received some compensation. The settlement went from like 350, some or something like that up to a billion, right? Because the former black players said, Hey, why aren't we seeing any of that money? Like, hold on time out. What? We all have CTE, right? Um, yes. We all have these other, we have these, these issues. And so I just, I think that's, again, if there's pushback, I would love to have that conversation because for me, it's, um, so what do we need to push back on? Just like there, these are, this is some other reality. And again, the NFL, isn't this anomaly? Like the NFL is like fill in the blank, right? Where you've had this history in this past that racism has been the thread and, if I get on my soapbox for just a moment, yeah, you know when people the when people say like slavery was so long ago, blah blah blah. Race norming is tied to yeah. slavery, so you see a belief that is not true being used in one of the largest sports entities in the world. Okay, the NBA has been global, right? The NFL yeah. is just getting global, but you still got the revenue, like the amount of money that comes in, right? Like it is known on a global stage. Okay. So you have a a belief that you've been using that is literally tied. Like if you read some history books, go and research that was connected to slavery. And so what happens is again, in our country is, and again, this isn't just to the U S either. That's this happens around the world. But in our context, when you look at the institution of slavery and the way that the remnants of that were not dealt with, you're going to continue to see that over and over and over Mm -hmm. and over. It's, it's literally into the very fabric of our nation. It's been in laws. It's been in policies. It's been part of institutions. It's part of people's belief system. And so when you don't deal with it, when you don't fully deal with it, just because you abolish it and say, Hey, okay, we passed a law. It's illegal now but we're not going to do mm-hmm. anything with the remnants of it. You get, it goes into sharecropping and this is where you yeah. get Jim Crow law, like segregation, like it just continued to mass incarceration. Mm-hmm. Like you, you see the loophole, the 13th amendment, right? All of these things are connected to something. They didn't just come up out of nowhere. So all to say, when you see the NFL is using something like race storming and you read a few things and say, wait a second, 
They believed that during slavery. That's why they operated the ways that they did. And that's being used in the NFL. You see why people say, hold on a second. So, yeah, they're getting, they're getting paid millions of dollars, but the yeah. labor they're putting out, hmm, Roger Goodell, what's his contract? He just got, his contract just got yeah. extended again. I, I, it's, he makes an outrageous amount of money and does not put mm-hmm. his life on the line at all. Mm-hmm. The owners, how many owners? I mean, we can have that conversation, right? Again, it's, and so the remnants of that are still very present in our organizations, in our institutions today. And the NFL, it clearly is present there too. And so let's have that conversation. And it is like, we get distracted. Toni Morris said, I'm going to paraphrase, but she, <laughs> she talks about how, we get distracted, like racism is a distraction. Like we get distracted by these things. Right. And so let's get distracted by, yes, I'm going to watch on Sunday because I want to see Usher. I'm a millennial. <laughs> so the fact that Usher is performing <laughs> at halftime, I, I would just own that. Mm. I live in that tension because my millennial heart is so sink and happy that I get to see Usher perform because I probably can't afford a concert ticket. Okay. So let me get this free concert. Okay. So there's that. So you Rihanna last year, like, Oh my gosh, Rihanna has been not making music and, doing her, you know, beauty line thing, but she's performing at the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got excited about that. So there is that, but that doesn't negate. There's some very real things that we need to talk about um, that are very present. Not simply again, Colin Kaepernick just isn't good enough to play. That's a lie. Let's, if we want to have that conversation, yeah. let's look at the amount of quarterbacks in the league. He is better. Come on, you guys. He is better than some of the guys I've seen get signed. Jay when Cutler. It's like, oh shoot. Our first, our starter and our second, <laughs> our second string went out. Um, we got this, per- come on now, like there it's, it's mm-hmm. intentional. That's the thing. Like a lot of these things are intentional. So, um, I'll get my soapbox there, but I, I just think if, if someone wants to have any pushback, I'm like, there's, there's so much there that that's, that's present and real. And again, the remnants of the institution of slavery and, and how that has just carried on for years, um, is very real. And we have to talk about that. And so the NFL, I don't care how much money you give to nonprofits and organizations. I don't care what initiative you have. You're, you're making it, you're putting on this appearance, like look at what we're doing. But if you look at the, who's affected and the players who have generated the revenue for you to even be able to give that much money to organizations and anyone can Mm -hmm. give money. That's the other thing too. Uh, Let me just say this last thing because I've been in spaces, predominantly white spaces, where people are like, well, look at how much money they gave. And I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. care. Just because you can write a check, you know how easy it is to raise should some we, money when you, when you check I mean, a few boxes? Should we talk boxes? about the wealth gap? When you, when you do that, <laughs> when you check a few boxes, it's really easy for you to be able to raise some money and then write some yeah. checks. That's easy to do. That's easy to do. It's not that hard. I've seen it. I've seen it happen. I was part of an organization for 10 years where I saw that happen. Mm -hmm. It was so easy. They lost a bunch of money and literally made it up within a year. I wonder Mm -hmm. why. Mm -hmm. I wonder how. It's the math is mathing, guys. Okay. So, you know, people say, oh, they gave this much money. They gave this much money. I, that doesn't matter. That doesn't change anything. People are not changed because they can write a check and give some money. People are changed when they actually deal with the, the bias. That's what we talked about earlier. Like, let me deal with my sports biases, right? Like the biases, the stereotypes, the things that they believe about people. There are people in the NFL who are, were around when those policies were put into place to say, no, we believe that, um, oh gosh, we believe, oh, there we there. Okay. Um, we believe that black players cognitive ability is less than yeah. white players. Like you, someone let's, had to sit around the table and in. say, 
Yep, let's put that in. We're going to put yep. that in our policy. So when, if this happens, if we get sued and, you know, people have been saying, oh, I've had these issues, we're going to use this so we don't have to pay yeah, as that's much great. money. Yeah, that's great. Like, it's, it wasn't, obviously they got caught when they got sued, but, they, like, when you get sued, like, they had to Precisely. be convinced that what they were doing was wrong. Like, like they, and the, mm-hmm. I love what you said, intentional, the intentionality of putting that into their bylaws wasn't, now I get like they were behind the scenes not wanting to advertise it because they're not stupid. That's the whole thing. Like, they're not stupid, but they were, it was also a safety net. Like it was, they believed it so much that they're like, oh, okay, we're good. Like we, we can, ex- we can, it's in writing. We, they're not getting money because we believe they are cognitively less able like it's i'd say craziness Mm -hmm. but like you said i'm not wasn't incredibly surprised i'm more surprised by pushback i guess not that there's pushback but just the the amount of belief that this is um something that's easily explained away um a couple of things. We gotta move on to this this next part, which we're gonna even just segue, not completely leave this. But um, I did not know about these guys. There's a podcast called um, Blackballed. I don't know if you ever heard of that or listened to that. At least um, it's on the the uh, the Ringer podcast network. Came out a couple of years ago. It's like a it's a four episode mini mini series, I guess you can call it. On okay. this very the very thing we're talking about, the history of it. So 1946, these guys called the are referred to as the Forgotten Four. So I guess it kind of makes sense. We don't know know about them. Kenny Washington, Woody Strode, Bill Willis, and Marion Motley um, reintegrated professional football in 1946. I think it was right before actually Jackie Robinson. They say on there breaking the color barrier with the MLB. Um, they're known as the Forgotten Four. Blah blah blah. Go listen to it. Call Black Ball to put it in the show notes. But um, it it kind of unpacks where this sentiment came from of owners essentially having, I think they call it like a gentleman's agreement to exclude black players. And there was a span for about 13 years after they played where it was just, and this, so it wasn't written, written like the race norming thing, but it was just, okay, we're... Literally, I think they say a gentleman's agreement in the podcast of to exclude black players. So it's it's mm. not that long. Like 1946, like there's still people who own teams and who are higher up in the league that are still tied to that time. Like the, the league isn't that old. That wasn't that long ago. So mm-hmm. forgotten four. I just wanted to <clears throat> put them out there. I'd never heard about them. Um, so go go check out that podcast and re- no, read up good. on them. And then the last thing, like we can't, completely move on except for another thing I sort of learned about had had known broadly the story but not completely is um do you know Nate you heard the name Nate Boyer okay so yeah Nate yeah. Boyer for those of you who don't know is the um former he's yeah he, I didn't know he's in the NFL he, he had a short stint I think with the Seahawks in the NFL but then became a Green Beret I think he's retired from both and when Colin Kaepernick Ka- Ka- keep saying neck I know how to say his name Kaepernick um, started kneeling and sitting. Actually, he, he people don't know he first sat like two or three times during the national anthem to raise awareness of um how this country treats black people. And 
Nate Boyer, there's a great interview on NPR with him, said that it struck a chord with him as it did with many people as a military man, um, as, you know, disrespectful, which I thought was interesting because I didn't know that's where, where this conversation and relationship started originally. But he said he contacted or wrote an open letter to Kaepernick about that being disrespectful to whatever, to the flag or to the country. Okay. Colin Kaepernick um, contacted him and wanted to talk and have a, have a conversation, which I thought was fantastic. And from that conversation, Nate Boyer, former Green Beret, former NFL player, um, eventually ended up saying, Hey, you should, you should kneel. And they had a nuanced conversation, essentially like a, a compromise, dare I say, on how to respectfully protest. Okay, I say all this because I think there's just there's so much pushback and so many people, including me, like I didn't know the entire story, have so much to say about the whole disrespecting the flag and and whatnot. And how that's just that's not what was going on. Like it's literally not the intent and literally not what was going on. Now, Nate Boyer says, you know, I don't speak for everybody in the military, which I feel like he didn't have to say that, but uh, Unfortunately, he probably did. That kneeling was kind of, you know, a respect thing. Like, it was the opposite. Like, you kneel when you propose, usually. You kneel at grave sites. Like, you kneel. Uh, I think you, you kneel when you get knighted. Like, you kneel out of so much, so many things that are mm-hmm. about respect. And I, I hate the refusal to people to acknowledge that it wasn't out of a pointed intention to disrespect the country. It's actually the opposite to hold the country mm-hmm. accountable. And you've touched on how we've always been allergic to accountability. Like racism is adaptable. It's always going to find a new iteration. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that was really interesting because, you know, Nate Boyer voicing his concern or um, that it struck a chord that he was sitting. Cause that can be a little more, I can see what he's saying, like maybe comes off as disrespectful, but then Kaepernick just, his bottom line was like, I want to raise awareness and protest respectfully. And then taking mm-hmm. his suggestion of kneeling. So like this whole pushback on disrespecting the military, disrespecting the flag, disrespecting your country. Like this guy, former NFL player, a green beret, you can't be more military than that <clears throat> gave him this idea. <laughs> and so like there's that, that argument just doesn't yeah. hold up y'all. If you're pushing back on this and I think this is a little more lighthearted, but is a, a little easier to see is, and again, I'm not the biggest NFL follower as I've already admitted, but I just, I think you can see fans reactions and which players are getting this kind of uh, pushback throughout the last few years since, since Kaepernick. Um, I, I was struck by when Deshaun Watson, I know there's a bunch of stuff come out with him over the last few years, but the time Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes locking on their teams, locking arms the first game of the season, I think maybe 2021, 2022. And just, I think this is NKC, just relentless, relentless booze from the fans, from the fa- against the face of the league for just, just locking arms out of raising awareness and solidarity against, uh, against racism. Mm-hmm. So there's that. So what do we do with that, people that want to just move on? 
You know, what do we want to do with that? Um, until what was it just last year? And I feel like people are sick of hearing this and they think it's kind of lighthearted, but guys, we, we had a team called the Redskins, the Redskins. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm just gonna move on from that one. Um, We've got all these quarterbacks that spend day in and day out in close relationship with all these players. Like a lot of former coaches like to say, you know, I've been around black players my whole life, so I'm I'm not racist. So we've got all these these white quarterbacks and these white coaches around all these black players, which makes them not racist. And then you've got, um, and they're supposed to be in solidarity with all of them. And then after all this stuff happens, it seems like everyone's understanding what's going on with the whole Kaepernick kneeling thing and, and whatnot. You got guys like former quarterback Drew Brees, then after all that saying, well, you know, I know we've done all this, this, and this, but I'm just never going to disrespect the flag. Taking it back to the most basic entry point to this whole mm-hmm. conversation. Like, I'm never going to disrespect the flag because my grandpa fought in World War II. It's like, that. that's, again, you're missing the point. Um. Look, I, I might take some flack for this, but Tom Brady being a pretty outspoken Trump supporter, and there's a lot of the owners that are like that, like just stuff like that that's interesting. I'll leave it at that to me. Um, Roger Goodell going on stuff like Uncomfortable Conversations with Manuel Acho and to me saying absolutely nothing that was helpful. Just things like this keep happening. I'm like, what? Don't We can't move on. When nothing is being, when nothing's being done, that's beyond performative. Um, okay, we could camp out here too long, but I'm going to segue to this. You brought you brought this up, Leaf, NFL halftime show. Um, I think it was 2019, NFL and Jay Z, um, who is was company Rock Nation. Um, they did a partnership, which I think. million partnership to be kind of the face of the NFL social change initiative. Um, And a lot of that has to do with the Super Bowl. I mean, um, Super Bowl halftime show and throughout the season, bringing in, um, having say on what kind of artists perform it, I guess, other halftimes throughout the year and bigger events and stuff like that. So, okay, Jay-Z one of the most well-known musical artists, rappers, blah, 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 like, you know, greatest of all time in a lot of people's eyes. As a musician in general, probably. Um, signs this deal. 2019, so do the math, like, in the heart of a lot of stuff we're talking about. Obviously, and I want to have a nuanced conversation about this, but two ends of the spectrum are going to be, oh, my gosh, this is amazing, amazing progress. We got Jay-Z and the NFL um, in a deal together. And then the other pushback is Jay-Z should be ashamed of himself. This is just a money grab at the expense of the issues a la uh, Colin Kaepernick. So I, I think it's an important conversation like you're saying because I think there's a lot of nuance in there. And, I mean, look, one example just off the cuff was even Rihanna last year she performed. But she's actually somebody that 
uh, declined a couple years earlier when all this was going on out of out of solidarity. Like, I'm not doing that. That's performative. And then I, I saw it was interesting. I'm not even saying it's bad or good. I'm just like, you know, then two years later, she's she's doing it. So it's like, what what are we supposed to think? And the backdrop leaf to this is how should we view specifically musical artists who advocate for things like social change? Like it, should they be held accountable for this stuff or should we just be viewing them as it's, it's artistry and it's about money. So, all right. Thoughts on that as the, the, uh, Usher fan. Um, I think if, um, you know, there's a lot that comes of being a public figure, you know, you'll hear a lot of people say that. Um, and you know, if you're going to make a choice to be outspoken about something or to acknowledge something publicly, like there it is accountability, which we all should experience. It may not be as public, but if I say something, you know, and I, I speak out against, you know, speak out to something, I hope my community of people will be, and then I do something that contradicts that. I hope my community of people will be like, Hey, Mm -hmm. you said this and then you did this help help us understand. Right. Like that, that should be, people are so scared of accountability. If you're the right, if you're the right people in your life, then it's actually really good because it helps us grow. So granted now when you're a public figure and you have millions of people, you have fans all over the world, like that's a whole nother level. And there's a lot of weight that comes with that. But you still make a choice, right, to make a public stance about something, to respond to something. And so I think my answer is, yes, I think people should be held accountable for what they say or don't say and what they do and don't do, right? When you have a platform and you have resources, right, that can help shift and change some things that can bring certain things to the light, right? And so it's interesting that, you know, the conversation around in this particular case, like music artists and, you know, holding them accountable, this has been around in music and the arts for decades. This is nothing new. Right. Um, I was just, uh, I, on my Instagram, I've been highlighting, um, women every day yeah. who are connected in some way to the civil rights movement, because I feel like the women are so behind the scenes in a lot of ways and just have not gotten the recognition um, acknowledgement and respect that they deserve. And so I was like, you know what, every day I'm going to post something. So, and for my own learning too, cause mm-hmm. there's women I just don't know about. So last night my post, um, was on Ruby D. Uh, she was well known in the arts. So performing on Broadway, she won, uh, was nominated for an Oscar mm-hmm. in 2008 for her role in American gangster with Denzel. Oh, okay. Um, she, she's just starred in so many things, but she, also her and her husband, Ozzie Davis saw that the arts were a way for them to highlight these inequalities, to highlight, um, the negative portrayals of African-Americans in the arts. Right. And so they took it upon themselves to then write, uh, plays and be in films where they countered that portrayal in Hollywood and on Broadway of these negative portrayals of African-Americans to say, we're going to actually write stuff where black people, are, are displayed in a positive light. We're going to, we're going to play roles that, um, are like quote, non-traditional to, to really say that that narrative is wrong. And we're going to show up at the March on Washington. Mm. They were the, uh, 
they call I this think this language is very odd, but the master and mistress of ceremonies for the March on Washington <laughs> okay. uh, for Jobs and Freedom in 1963. Um, and Ruby D was part of a group of artists who formed, um, I think it's called like Association of Artists for Freedom or something like that, also in mm-hmm. 1963, right? So again, you have that, I think that's an example, right? Of you have a platform, you have um, some some resources, right? And so you're saying, I'm going to, do what I do. I'm going to do it well, but I also, I'm human. I also care about these things. So coming to our present day, I do think when artists are saying something or showing up on a certain stage, right. To, um, you know, there's that back and forth of like, well, they don't have to explain themselves. I'm like, I mean, they don't, but it would be helpful when you've said X, Y, and Z. Right. And so I, I think when when you have made a stance about something or you've, you've posted something, right. And we are, we're humans and we're, we're always evolving and changing. So my thing is just have integrity. If your view has changed on it, if your stance has changed on it, just say that. I know there's a fear of being canceled and all this craziness that we experience now because of social media, but there's some of that, like, let's just live in the tension Mm -hmm. of that. Like just be true to who you are. And if that's where you land, just say that's where you're landing. People are going to like it and some yeah. people are going to like it. But can you walk away and say, man, I feel like I've been very true to myself and people are going to like it or not like it regardless. It doesn't matter. Whatever stance you take, some are going to like it, some won't. Right? And so you're going to have that. But can you have some integrity to stand on? And integrity is huge for me. So yeah. I think that um, is something. It's not just the accountability. It's it's the integrity. And so, um, so yeah, that, yeah, that's my long answer to say I, I do think there's a place to hold public figures accountable for what they do and they don't do when they've said and done certain things saying, I'm, I'm this advocate, I'm this activist, I'm this ally. But then the, some of the receipts don't add yeah, up little to receipts like, and, and that's a bit confusing. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, that was great. I, yeah, I receive and follow everything you're saying. I think something that is interesting with Jay-Z to me, cause I, I agree with you. Like accountability people are probably sick of me talking about that on here but integrity are huge huge for me for sure (laughs) um Mm -hmm. something just interesting like about jay-z to me is it gets muddy for me because i don't think i think it can be easy to expect accountability in a lot of scenarios but with the jay-z thing i think it's interesting because i i okay so my personal views on it to paint with broad strokes for a little bit is that I think it was a, a cop out and I'm, I'm painting with broad strokes for this. I, I think it's hard not to view that as a win for the NFL only other than Jay-Z gets more money, but I think it's at the expense. I really do. I think it's at the expense of the, some of the issues that Colin Kaepernick was bringing up that did not get resolved. Um, we, it's another conversation. I know he settled and they got some money, but it, I think that just enables the NFL or enabled the NFL. And this is, you know, this is 2019 to move on. Like, I think that that in the public eyes, like the consumer sees that, Oh, Jay-Z and Roger Goodell shaking hands. Boom. Like we, like we're successful. Like this is, this is great now. And this isn't all on Jay-Z by any means, but the timeline, like this race norming stuff is still going on. 
And so like that stuff is still at the expense. So it, it's still, you know, we're watching that. It's a distraction. Like what what you brought up, like we're watching Mm -hmm. Jay-Z produce that the halftime show, bring on convince Rihanna to come on. He's got Usher. Uh, Yeah. I mean, Beyonce has done it. Um, and we're supposed to watch that while race norming is going on and people are being deprived of health care. Health care that they deserve compensation for because of the NFL. So I, it's hard for me not to view this as I just see I see Jay-Z getting literally getting money and more recognition and credit for something that Con Kaepernick is out of the league for kneeling Ed Reed's out of the league for kneeling and race norming still going on but we're watching you know it's the, it's the ultimate distraction but we get to watch Rihanna and I just to me that is I, I don't want to just say interesting but strange oh yeah and I was coming back to Jay-Z like I think that I've heard another interview on Jay-Z kind of saying like I don't know if he he's a he is aware of this type thing like I think he believes something different and not even in a vindictive way like I've heard him say talk about the black community and be like you know they're going to keep telling us we can't do this this and this but we're coming like he said something like that that was I forget what interview that was and I get it like that is obviously his energy if you listen to any of his music or like you know that that is what Jay-Z is about but to say that mm-hmm to describe what he's doing with the NFL partnership. Like, I just think it's a miss. Like, I don't think that's what, that's not what the criticism is coming from. So him saying that is like, no, people aren't criticizing you that people are criticizing you because they feel like you are leaving a lot of the black community in the dust by signing this deal. Not, not that you don't care about, um, or not the opposite. Um, so I just think that's like, that's tough. And that's always going to be at the expense of, people like a Kaepernick or people that are speaking up about these issues. Like I'm not saying nothing good has happened, but to me that just, that doesn't, it enables the NFL more than it does progress. And I think that's just, that, that sucks. Like it's, it's super unfortunate. Like I, and I don't necessarily know what the way forward with that is. So my, um, my activistic stance is going to be not really watch uh, the NFL, but then also when I do watch the Super Bowl for to hang out with people, I'm just going to root for Patrick Mahomes because I think more. Uh, uh, I'm just going to choose to believe that it's going to make people more and more comfortable that a uh, black player is the face of the league. That's just what what I have to to do to uh, make myself stomach watching some of the NFL stuff, but. I don't know. Did you, did you follow that? Cause that, I know that was a little bit roundabout. <clears throat> no, I did. I did. And, um, <clears throat> you know, there's, and stuff like this, it's not, it's not so binary. Like we, I think we get caught in the, like really binary thinking a lot. You know, people say black and white binary thinking. Um, you know, I do think again, this is my opinion, uh, that, you know, Rock Nation agreeing to this partnership with uh, the NFL was it did it did serve the NFL. It made them look better. Um, it did say, "Hey, look at what we're doing. We have this 
hip hop rap mm-hmm. mogul, right? Billionaire, known globally. Um, you know, he's married to Beyonce, so that elevates his status mm-hmm. already too, right? It's not just that he's Jay Z. The man is married to Beyonce. Okay, like yeah. it is what it is, y'all. Um, and so that elevates him. Uh, as well and his status and so for the nfl it's like man we're checking the yeah. boxes you know like yeah we paid out our little settlements like oh yeah sorry we did that but like hey we signed with rock nation and we started this like uh whatever that initiative something change whatever they just, call it yeah inspire, inspire change. change um yeah and so you know and then they start this coalition with players right and so it, it's interesting because i you know, I was reading one of the articles that you had sent about Jay-Z's response to all the pushback, you know, and um, he essentially said something like, yeah, like if kneeling is what is what takes action and actually brings some change, great. But like, can we take some action? And I, I hear what he's getting at, right? Um, because people were not responding. It was more backlash than anything, right? So he's, high, you know, Kaepernick uh-huh. kneeling highlighted some things, not just for our country, obviously, but mm-hmm. in the NFL, right? The response to that. Um, but then... Let's look at, okay, what has the action been? Okay, let's talk about that. So you make this partnership, Jay-Z. Okay, so you're getting not just artists for for halftime shows, which they were already getting before Rock Nation came around. They were getting artists to perform at halftime. Beyonce performed at the Super Bowl. Bruno Mars performed at the Super Bowl. Before, like, you've had people prior to Rock Nation. So for me, it's like, I don't think that was necessary to get Mm. certain artists or to think about like how do you do the halftime shows cuz people were a lot of people were already watching because of who was performing at halftime or not watching because of who right. was performing at halftime cuz it wasn't that appealing. So, but then what else has happened? Okay, so we got the Black National Anthem, Lift Every Voice and Sing. I don't know what Rock Nation's role has been in that, but uh-huh. that started. Do they do that every Interesting. game? Interesting. Okay, now the players they do it um 2021, I think they did okay. it before every game, but now they do it before the Super Bowl. Okay. Because uh, Mary Mary did it um, out here in Inglewood, um, was that two years ago for the Super Bowl? So, and I forget who's doing it this year. So they do it for the Super Bowl and like the pregame stuff. So you have that. Um, if you look at the helmets, you know they've got their little whatever <laughs> saying. Uh, I think about Kansas City's field. I'm not sure again about other fields because I don't watch NFL like that. But oh yeah, like, that's my favorite. The, or the end zones, whatever the saying end zones they say have, and racism because. It's outrageous. I, last year, I think, during yeah, the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's like, okay, it's a platitude. Yeah. It's such a platitude, you know? And I think that, again, it's like, okay, so what change has come? <laughs> like, okay, you've given money to organizations, but even in the article you sent me, it's like you actually didn't vet one of the organizations mm-hmm. well because people found receipts right. super quick on Twitter, and then it was, like, justifying and, like, oh, well, this is why I said it. It's like, no, but there's these things are connected to something so much deeper. And so, again... My question is, well, what has the change been, Jay-Z? Like, that's a question I would love for him right. to answer. Like, it's been now five years going on, five years with this partnership. I would love for him to share, like, what has been the change? Don't just say you gave this money and you put some decals on helmets and you put some little sayings in, in on football fields. But what else has the change come? What other things have you dealt with what other ways have you been challenging the leadership of the NFL Roger Goodell and everyone else who's a part of the decision making in what ways have you challenged them in what ways are things changing the Rooney rule for example like everyone knows that that is just a way for the NFL to check their boxes everyone everyone knows that you have to interview certain quote minority candidates but at the end of the day when you've already like well 
already know who we want. There's no so accountability. I'll check the box. I'll interview the people because mm. I have to. But there's no accountability. So it's stuff like that where, again, understanding I on a very, very, very minor level, okay, the NFL is this massively global billion-dollar industry, right? So I have no idea what that's like. On a super micro level, I've been in leadership positions and inside of organizations at a top level to, to, to start to say, okay, you said this, you, you, you put this out there, but what about this, 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 and this? Mm. Are we going to talk about that? Are we going to own that? Are we going to mm-hmm. acknowledge that? I don't care that you said that in an email. What actually, I, when I left my previous organization, that was one of the things I said in my exit letter was I literally verbatim pulled from an email that we had received two years prior and said, help me understand what changes happened since mm-hmm. this statement was made. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Actually, no, not nothing. The opposite of the very thing you said would be true that you wanted to fight for. The opposite of that is true because look at our present mm-hmm. reality. Because you didn't do these things. You didn't deal with the stuff that's in the roots and the foundation. So for me with Jay-Z, it's the intent versus impact. The intention is I'm with Cap. I'm fists in the air. I'm rocking with Cap. What was That was wrong. He started something and I'm going to carry that legacy on and I've got money and access and resources to quote, inspire change and help the NFL deal with its racism. Okay. So five years later, let's do a review. What, what has happened? What has changed? You've given some money to organizations. Again, this is what we see. You've given some money to organizations. Um, you put some stuff on the field. Um, but what else have, have you done to, to deal with, to really acknowledge and to, begin to remove some of the things that are actually allowing these things to carry on, right? Where the NFL can just check some boxes and keep it pushing. The NFL just announced the Eagles, they're playing their game in Brazil, right? So you go over to Europe. So you checked your Mm -hmm. Europe box, right? And now you're going to Brazil. You're entering a very, very different, you you already have issues at home and you're entering a very different category by going over to Brazil, right? Again, there's a lot of good that can come from that, uh, what it can do for some of the, the local economy. Oh, there's, you know, we can have that conversation. But if you're not dealing with the effects at home, <laughs> with the things that have been around since NFL has been around for decades, you're, you're putting a, you know, let's say we put a Band-Aid over the, the gushing wound, right? But that's really what you're doing. Like you're doing these platitudes and you're, you're doing these things that look really good. Yeah. But if you're not dealing with the stuff internally, Things are not going to change on a macro level as they need to. And yes, change takes a lot of time in major organizations and and corporations like that. I think it's like seven years or something like that Mm -hmm. is the average to see like change actually begin to happen. Okay, so we're five years into this partnership, Jay-Z. I would love I would love to see you can you can say you want to be about this, but I will. What are the receipts? Because we only see a part of it. Right. So what's actually happening internally that you're seeing some of this change take place and, and you're, you're acknowledging. I think that's the thing where it's like, and I'm not saying just putting out a statement, but you're really actually dealing with the effects of your racist policies, of the racism that's been embedded in the league, of the way that you viewed 70% of the league. Yeah. You, you can't just say it was one player. Your views about Colin Kaepernick were just not about uh-huh. Colin Kaepernick. It's about any black player that would respond that way. And you had a few white players, you know, kneel or do whatever they did. And okay, you took some flack, but you're talking about 70% of the league, 70% of what brings in your revenue, right? So let's remove that. The NFL is not the NFL. The NFL is not a global stage. The NFL is not generating billions of dollars. Like you, you start removing all of those things. And so I, 
I, I see the tension and I think the pushback on Jay-Z is warranted um, for a variety of reasons. I mean, if you, again, if you just look at what he said at the Grammys, right? It's like you're, you're receiving a almost a, not like a lifetime achievement award, but it's like almost up there with the Dr. Dre global yeah. impact award that he got. And he used that opportunity to call out the Grammys, mm. this institution, the recording Academy for, there's a lot of intentional things there and you have, the misogynoir, racism. There's a number of things that you can point to with the mm-hmm. Recording Academy for why you see what you see, right? And he literally listed, yeah, we boycotted here because it wasn't going to be televised. And we boycotted here. Yeah, we showed up a couple years later, but like we boycotted because there's a tension they live in as, as, as in this case, I'll say black artists, right? It's not just black, but I'll just yeah. use that for this example. There's a tension that the black artists live in, right? Of, okay, so the Recording Academy has all these issues and is racist and yet the recognition of receiving a Grammy for the work that I've put in for the work that I've done. I see what like Victor- Victoria Monet finally being acknowledged. Her pin game has been fire. She's been writing for artists mm-hmm. for years and has not, people mm-hmm. didn't know that. And then she has this, she's a best new artist, right? Because she tapped into the nostalgia of the early two thousands for all of us yeah. with on my mama. Right. But you saw her response. I mean, she ended up walking away. She was seven Grammy nominations. She walked away with three, only one was televised though. Um, and so you, there's a tension, even the black artists live in with something like the Grammys. And so again, Jay-Z, there's a tension that he's in, but my thing is just acknowledge it. Like just, just stand on some of the things that you've said and, and put some of these, make some of these things more public because you hear all the conversation, you hear the speculation, you hear the confusion from people, you hear the, the people are pissed off, right? Like, is it the math isn't mathing from what we've seen? That, that's what I'm saying. The, this is what we've seen. The things I've listed is what we've seen. And so what is, what are, is our response supposed to be? And in what ways are we not supposed to hold you accountable to the things that you've said yeah. and done? Like help us make it make sense, you know? So what are some of the things again that he could point to um, that he could say, here's some of the cha- change internally. I don't that's think happening. they're there. It's not just this outward thing because and I, they're not. That's that's why. So I, I say all that to say he. You haven't said anything because the main, it's not yeah. there. And the, the main question is action why. Is, uh, I why? think the change, <laughs> the main change that happens is continues to be because of lawsuits that are brought up, lawsuits that are being brought up about things mm-hmm. that I think he is supposed to be working to bring about change. And maybe I'm wrong. Like maybe it really is. Maybe the deal is like, Hey, we just want you to focus on entertainment and he's an entertainer, which is why the backdrop of the question is, are we crazy to hold these men and women accountable? You know, I, I don't know. Um, but I, I agree. That's a great example. If you didn't see the Grammys, like his speech there was like, he, he even said like, he was even kind of nervous, like, cause it's awkward, like describing that kind of tension it's not gonna be super eloquent. Like he, it's Jay Z. He was he sounded like super like disoriented, like kind of like word vomit. And he was like, "When I'm nervous," mm-hmm. he said, "Like when I'm nervous, I tell the truth." And it's like, "Well, man, maybe we need to get you more nervous and catch you off guard or something, and get you like right. saying some of this stuff." Because uh, like you, yeah, I want to hear like, okay, tell me what's actually happening. Oh, there's actually not that much happening. Okay, well, like, what can we do about that? Do you want to do anything about that? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or are you just here for right. entertainment? And if, if you are, then that's which, fine. That's a whole other conversation, yeah. right? Yeah, which is a whole other conversation about the way black and brown folks are just used for entertainment 
to bring in the viewers and entertain the people and blah, blah, blah. And again, sports is entertainment too, right? That, that's yeah. a whole nother conversation about people just want to be entertained. So don't bring up these issues and don't bring that to the forefront. Just play, just shut yeah. up and dribble. <laughs> just shut up and throw the ball, right? Like that's yeah. where all that comes from, right? And so you're already in an inner, it's entertainment, the sports industry, and then you bring entertainment from a musical standpoint into right. that space. And so if you're there just for that, just say that. Just say, hey, guys, okay, so I, I'm i not in these conversations. Like, here's what our partnership with as Rock Nation with NFL, this is the yeah. lane that I'm in right here. Anything, I'm in this in this space, and this is what we do. So performances at halftime shows or at different you know stadiums, Super Bowl, pregame, and then, you know, we're raising money to give to organizations who are doing good work. Yeah. Okay, just say that. And that's where you want to exist and say, people aren't going to like it, but just own it. Just, just stand on the yeah. integrity and own that. But when, you, but when you say and you make it seem like, oh, I'm taking on the heels of what Kaepernick started to make this, like, actually see some action, now you've opened up another, yeah. uh, something much bigger. And you need to be held accountable for that because you yeah. said that's what it was. So you can't, you can't be mad about being held accountable when you said this is the thing yeah. that you are going to do. Like yeah. you've made that public and you didn't, you're yeah. not doing it. It doesn't look like that. So you can't be mad that there's a, people want to hold yeah. you accountable to that because it, act, it has a real effect on people. And you see that these players are still, these players that have, again, have put their lives on the line. Like, for them, it's like, hey, I'm real time suffering, and their families are suffering as well. Like, it's not just that, yeah. that; it's like that player. But we've seen, just look up the news from the last few years, where former players who have had CTE issues, and people, their families said, like, yeah, their behavior was, you know, fill in the blank. Like, there were actual neurological yeah. damage, and then yeah. this was a result. It's devastating for families, and so you have that in the backdrop that needs to be at the forefront of saying there's a, there's change that you want to make and just bringing certain artists in to perform at games and, and donating money is not addressing the root issues and the ripple effect that has, that is destructive to so many families. And what's interesting, it's so destructive to yeah. black families. That's what it is because none of the players are black. Right. So then you come back to that conversation. And so it is, it's, it is nuanced. It's not as, quote, black and white or as binary as we want to make it. At the same time, there's very real things that we need to talk about. Um, and if that's not what you're going to, you're actually working towards, just say that. Yeah, absolutely. Just, just own it, you know? Um, we're not even going to get to the, to the Grammys and Taylor Swift or anything. Cause I think that that would be a good conversation. Oh, well, hold on. I'm going to do that. one thing. On. I, I think that would be a good conversation because <laughs> of how, you know, huge she is and the whole accountability thing. Um, there's, I, I'll, we'll do this, Lee, because I don't want to just I don't want to just keep analyzing all of uh, uh, black cultures uh, pillar artists. Like we could do Taylor Swift, or do we want to do NWA? Okay, Taylor Swift. All right, oh, we'll do Come NWA another time. I'm ready. To, I'm ready okay. to piss off the Swifties. Come on, uh, I'm, I'm ready. real with you. We got I got like five minutes, so I'm sorry about that. Um, all right. Leith, okay. you're in place for this. I'm going to put you in, in his place for this because you're the resident uh, non-Swifty or anti-Swifty, and John Mark is using my resident Swifty on here. So, I, 
Oh. Yeah, did you know that? I don't know. Man, yeah. this would have been do... good. I did oh, not yeah. know that. He's kind of... We might have to do a part two. I want to have John Mark, we need to have some conversation about one, this. Yeah. Although I know... I would, no, and on some real stuff, I would love... I would love to hear his yeah. his perspective, gen- I heard, genuinely, as yeah. a quote Swifty. I also hear Jamar Tisby's a Swifty. He is. Yeah. He has made that public. It's so it's surprising. Anyway, very interesting. Well, I don't want to. Hey, yeah, to yeah, each his own. Um, to each his own. Okay. Well, I mean, kind of the same thing with Taylor Swift is, uh, and my wife is a huge Swifty. Um, I'm right in the middle. I get that. I don't. I think. Her criti- the criticism of her is both ridiculous and you know some warranted. Um, how so? She is the biggest artist in the world right now. I think that's objectively true. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fresh off the fourth win, I think, with her thirteenth and fourteenth Grammy and the fourth album of the year. Most so mm-hmm. the be- she's the best album maker of all time, like as far as accolades go. That's what the, that's what the academy, academy says. says. Okay, anyway, I mean, it, that's not well, true. Though, it, it, we got to keep it real, Leith. Um, okay, it's subjective. Yeah. Um, kind of same thing. Does she? How should she be held accountable? So she's been incredibly outspoken about um, a lot of things, like a lot of social issues, but then at times has been, um, I'd say, uh, conveniently silent about things going on with legislation and the media, all all the stuff that she's associated with. And to me, I kind of asked mm-hmm. the same kind of question. This was, you know, we don't have time to bring up NWA and Ice Cube, but this is what I'm saying. Like, okay, is it crazy to hold people accountable or to hold these artists accountable for things they advocate for specifically, maybe not just specifically, but largely in their music and then just, you know, in interviews and stuff, when it really matters, because I think, I'll paraphrase a little bit what happened with uh, Ice Cube and NWA. NWA, known for Straight Outta Compton and uh, Ice Cube, and I think everybody associates th- them with rapping and singing about police brutality, paying with broad strokes. And then just recently, within the last year or so, Ice Cube, sits down with Tucker Carlson from Fox News at the time, who's one of the most, you know, outspoken against all, everything about what I would think Ice Cube would stand stand on. And then Ice Cube, when asked about what he thinks about policing now, you got to listen to a couple times because I don't know if everyone will pick up on this, but says that essentially I think says we got to understand where the police are coming from that, I don't want to open up can words, have a giant conversation right now about it. But to me, that's just, that is, if he's been somebody that people have looked up to for whatever, liberation and bringing awareness to really real issues, I assume like in the communities he's rapping about, that's almost unforgivable to, at this point to, to, I feel like renege what he's essentially stuck his whole career on and a, and a, performative, hey, look, I can I can talk to this Fox News guy and we can all just get along type thing. But back to Tara Swift, very outspoken about women's rights, the LGBTQ plus community and and whatnot. Um, the black community have been very supportive of bringing, uh, collaborating with other artists like an Ice Spice and stuff. But then when 
associated with like a, a Matt Healy or some or things are going on in the country that are hurting those communities in the midst of all of her, all of her success has been silent at times. So what's your perspective on these things? It's okay if you camp out with Taylor Swift. Um, <clears throat> you know, you get, you get labeled a, a hater, right? Because I, I'm not, I don't like Taylor Swift's music. Um, <clears throat> I think it, I think That's it all sounds the same. thing you've said. And, uh, again, and, uh, <laughs> and it, it's absolutely subjective. There's, uh, there's people have, have been posting just like some history about this in particular with the Grammys, you know, the fact that she won her fourth album of the year it is outrageous in comparison to, and even her fans I've seen on TikTok have said midnights was not her best album. Like there's no way she should have won that over SZA over, uh, Lady, Lana Del Rey, um, even someone else that was in the category. Right. So again, it's very subjective and everyone knows too. I mean, it's an assumption, but people want to, they wanted her to win that. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just be real. Okay. Side, side note. So again, the accountability piece. So yes, if you're going to be, we can't expect everyone, we all don't do this, right? So even with public figures, we all do not speak out on every yeah. single issue, right? Anyone can sit up and say, did you speak out about, let's fill in the blank, do, 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 do. Well, I spoke out about that. I spoke up about that, but I didn't do that, blah, blah, blah. Like we don't have enough time to speak up on all the issues, right? So there, there's that backdrop. With, with, again, when you choose to speak out on certain things, now here comes a level of accountability because you've made that public. One of the biggest critiques about Taylor Swift that irritates me about a lot of Swifties is they will not acknowledge that Taylor Swift weaponizes her feminist, her feminist takes and her mm. feminism when it is convenient for her. And there are receipts for days about that. I have listened to countless people talk about and piece things together when she responds to stuff and when she doesn't. And it's, it's a part of, again, this is a much larger conversation. So you have the overarching feminism right where people just kind of throw that out there but then within that you have white feminism and white feminism is weaponized by white white women all the time again i am opening a can of worms and we don't have enough time to talk about that so we can do a part two if we need to but taylor swift Mm. does that taylor swift shows up to respond to things when it is convenient Mm. and people have said that i even saw some of her fans again i've been on i've been on tiktok watching a bunch of stuff some of her fans have started to admit that and acknowledge that they've said, man, I've tried to give her credit. I've tried to excuse it, but like, here's the reality. And you can see it play out. For example, you reference ice spice, how convenient, how convenient to do a collaboration with ice spice just a month or two after the things that she either was dating or not dating Matt Healy, but the absolutely horrific and disturbing things that he said about black women. And then you, collaborate with I Spice to say, hey, 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 I'm not going to say anything about what he said. And her team said, well, they were just really casual. I don't Mm -hmm. give a bleep if they were casual or if they were like hand in hand about to get married. You have associated yourself with someone to some extent. You should be responding to that. And your team, what did you do? And then they were like, well, I Spice's team reached out first. Nope. That, uh -uh. Mm uh-uh. Stop it. Stop right there. You could have collaborated with a bunch of different artists. I Spice? That seems very convenient when that was one of the specific people that Matt Healy referenced in his horrifically mm. racist and misogynistic rant. But you're a feminist? Come on, girl. Yeah, I think... Come on now. Yeah, that, I remember... It, she responds to yeah. things when it's convenient for her because of her image, and she plays into... Again, there's history behind this. That's the thing that 
I posted this on my Instagram the other day because it really just I'm, it fires me up is within the context of feminism, the, the, the piece about white feminism, there's history tied to that. There is a way that white women who say they're feminists, a lot of them show up and it's for their own mm-hmm. benefit. And Taylor Swift, there, there's literally in, her, in some of her lyrics, people have pointed out that she's staying in this particular category within the, the broad stroke of feminism. And not enough people are talking about that. And so it really does... This isn't just about her not being a... I don't think she's one of the best artists. She she speaks to a certain genre of people and there's a reason why people like some of her stuff. But again, that's, I'm not just talking musically, like it's so much bigger than that. Right. Um, and so anyways, I know we got to wrap up. I would love to do a part two because I really think that this conversation Mm -hmm. needs to be had more. And I feel like what happened at the Grammys, people are, are finally being open to that conversation and being able to admit some things of like, you plugged an album after saying you got your 13th Grammy. People don't do that at the Grammys. So that's why you got the response you did. Then you operated another way when you won album of the year. Like there are things that are there that guys they are not, she just wasn't shocked. Like, come on, come on now. And we can, we can debate mm-hmm. this all we want to. That's fine. But there's a lot of things that we need to pay attention to that people aren't. And Taylor Swift is not some innocent 14 year old that needs protecting. And people are still treating her like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because of what happened with Kanye back mm-hmm. in VMAs years ago. That, mm-hmm. That's where this stemmed from. And people have to have connected those dots. And so, anywho, I absolutely think she needs to be held accountable. And uh, the convenience of when her, quote, activism shows up um, needs to be yeah. discussed. We got to do part two because uh, we opened up too many cans of worms. You know, you know yeah. just, just up-and-coming <laughs> artists, Jay-Z, Taylor Swift, uh, Ice Cube, nothing big there. Um <laughs> Yeah, that's so nuanced. I think last thing, like on the Grammys, I didn't, I can't have a big enough opinion on like the other albums because I didn't, I didn't listen to them. Um, so I, I like, I don't, I'm not so much on the side of like that she shouldn't have won type, type thing. I'm, I don't have a horse in that race necessarily, but I can think of like the, uh, the thing I, like I did listen to most, most recently as far as Grammys goes. Grammys go, Grammys go, Grammys go. Um, words are hard. Um, is like, like I don't. I've I've heard people talk about like Renaissance, you know, with Beyonce. I just, I don't have like an opinion. I didn't I didn't listen. So like, um, I have listened to a good amount of Taylor Swift. Like I said, you know, my wife's huge Swifty, and you know, I think she's great. Like I, like music, especially musically, I think she's great. I think all these criticisms are absolutely fair. I have the same criticisms, and um, so do like Swifties I know. Like they understand like some of this nuance, and like yeah, this we definitely gotta do part two. But I think that when um, Beyonce should have won for Lemonade, like to me, like I stand by that. I'm like the like. If that kind of album doesn't win, like it's something, something's wrong. That should have for sure won over Adele, who I love. Like Adele's Absolutely amazing, but nonsense. even Adele, if you watch that, Adele's I mean, like, I lemonade should have won. Yep. Why am I up here? What is happening? It's like, yeah, absolutely, yep. that should have yep. won. I, I say all that because I want to be fair to, but like, I don't want to be a both sides for right now. Like, I, <laughs> I, I don't think it's just like, oh my gosh, we should have like, we gotta give this to Beyonce because she hasn't gotten it. Like, I think there's too much of that going on. It's like, well, that, mm. that's not, that's not the answer. Don't yes. just be like, Oh, let's give it to her. Cause she needs it. And we got to be 
anti-Taylor Swift, but I think the nuanced mm-hmm. conversation about, wait, how did we get here in the first place is what, what needs to be happening. So I say all that, like I didn't listen to every album that was up, but that year I did listen, you know, I, I knew Adele and Lemonade. It's like, how do you not like that? Ha- that should have won. That's, I, I know we're saying all oh, this is subjective, but it's like, no, 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 that's, that's greatness. Like that's what wins. I mean, it's subjective, but the people, voters have anonymously admitted that like last year, um, they literally said Beyonce is one of the most Grammys and been the most nominated. They admitted anonymously, we don't vote for Beyonce because she yeah. wins too much. So actual voters That's always going to be the pu- issue. Anonymously yeah. made that public. So right there, that right there, it's not simply just, oh, it's subjective. No, people are intentionally choosing mm-hmm. not to vote for someone because she, yeah. quote, wins too much. That's insane. When you're talking about what's the best And like, is that happening work? with Taylor Swift? So, is, it SZA, could bring us to that. For example. Yeah. Precisely. In this particular instance, right? Last thing I'll say with this, SZA had nine nominations. Mm-hmm. Nine. She performed three songs. She did two of her songs on the stage, and then she did that like when they went to commercial, and she did a whole nother song. So just that alone, and everyone said, people have said it. Again, Swifties have said, Midnight's is not Taylor Swift's best album in comparison to what she's won album mm-hmm. of the year for previously. So help us understand how was... SOS, not the best body of work. That's anyone that is musically inclined and understand that was the best, but you don't get nine Grammy nominations and perform and do all that. If your album is not the best mm-hmm. that came out that year. Yeah. So when voters last year admitted, we only vote, we didn't vote for Beyonce because she wins too much. That tells me, Hmm. So the way you're voting, I didn't is think very about the, there's, there's a lot more behind it than simply it's yeah, the best body about of work. The, all the nominations for, and then not to win the big, yeah, that's, that sounds like a, yeah. That it's sounds outrageous. like an obvious thing, but I just was, and now that you're saying I'm putting that together, yeah. I guess it'd be, it'd be like Hamilton that year, getting all those nominations and then not winning. <laughs> uh, 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 just, yeah. Like, you can't say someone doesn't have the best album when they've, when they're up mm. for so many awards for singles and best R&B song and all of that. Like, you can't say... Someone doesn't get that many nominations if their album wasn't the best. Like, clearly, by getting the nominations, people are saying, hey, man, that body of work you put out. It's like in the NBA, let's bring it full circle. Like, LeBron should have at least eight MVPs, probably. But, you know, but people are like, oh, he got too much. Let's let's cut off at four, even though he, for a while, he was still getting better. It's like, but how, how am I not still the MVP when I'm better than I was these other four years? Anyway. All right, we gotta go. Lee, thanks. Thank you so much. We'll <laughs> yeah. obviously do a part two, maybe three, four, five, because um, this is. Oh man, I got to get on here with John yeah. Mark. I, I need to. Yeah. I want, John Mark's gonna to come on here and make his defense. <laughs> I might just uh, mute my. I'm gonna mute my I'm, mic I'm and have you it. guys just come on. I'll sign you guys on. <laughs> um, all right, you guys. Thank you, Lee. Thank you so much for coming on here, listeners. Thank you as always for listening. Uh, the music you're listening to is the my guy Dylan Dent. The uh, or it, it might be background music from Anchor but I'll get both of those in here. Um, and our artwork was, of course, created by our friend, um, Lee's friend as well. Shout out, Ashley Bush. Um, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Peace. 
The nightmare might scare you no worse than reality. They hunt you by day, y'all rob here, Maud Arbery. Everybody got a time, but that's less than comforting. I hope I'm alive by the time they choose to come for me. Mosquitoes in the vein, or leeches on my soul. This money on my mind is a fracture in my bones. You get crippled by continuing existence like a ghost. And they wonder why we drink, and they wonder why we smoke, and they wonder why we think that everything's a joke. I'm shocked that we can sleep, must be the thought of letting go. Thank you.